Welcome to Ag This Week. Sponsored by New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau, this is your host, Delene Hodnett. This week's podcast features activities at the American Farm Bureau Convention in Atlanta, an on-the-ground report from a pecan farmer, and a prediction from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, I'm a member, uh, and so I've paid my dues. Um, and I know and appreciate uh, the information I receive from Farm Bureau as a member is important to me uh, as I try to do the best job I can for farmers, ranchers, and producers. You know, I know two great things about this country uh, apart from its extraordinary military, and that is uh, that we have a functioning democracy that is the envy of the world and that we have an agriculture that is also the envy of the world. That was Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack speaking to the attendees of the American Farm Bureau Convention, reaffirming his support for our nation's food producers. The Bureau's 103rd convention was held in Atlanta, and participants enjoyed great keynote speakers, presentations on sustainability and the use of social media to increase awareness of ag issues, and tours of area farms. In addition, delegates from all 50 states and Puerto Rico adopted policies to guide the organization's work in 2022. According to AFBF, long-standing frustration over imbalances in the meat industry led to calls for greater transparency in livestock markets. And as the struggle for adequate labor continues, delegates approved policies that build on existing ones regarding the need for employee stabilization and reforms to the guest worker program. The federal milk pricing system and its lack of transparency was also a concern. Several changes to the policy include support for a more consistent format for milk checks and a review and audit of the producer price differential on milk. Delegates also called for USDA to publish resources that show how each federal milk marketing order operates and differs by region. As farmers and ranchers continue to increase their reliance on digital technologies, delegates voted to support raising the standard for federal broadband projects to be at least 100 megabytes per second for both uploads and downloads. During the convention, the American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture also hosted their Flapjack fundraiser, where they introduced their 2022 Book of the Year, How to Grow a Monster. The book explores gardening themes and includes a gardening activity for students to try themselves. How to Grow a Monster will be added to the list of over 500 books identified by the foundation as Accurate Ag Books, a collection of books for children, teenagers, and adults that accurately cover agricultural topics. If you're a teacher interested in receiving a free copy of the book, Nationwide Insurance has generously sponsored a grant which will provide 300 educators with a copy of the book, an accompanying educator guide, and a set of 30 school garden ag mags for educational use. Educators can apply for the grants through the website agfoundation.org. Speaking of grants that develop agricultural awareness, Brittany Lardner, coordinator for the New Mexico Ag in the Classroom program, has an update on grants available from the program. The grants that I want to highlight and focus on are brought to us in connection with the Natural Resource Conservation Service. The first one is called the New Mexico Grow Project, and it provides everything any classroom would need to grow all year long. It includes an indoor hydroponic system, outdoor raised garden bed, and a drip irrigation system, along with trainings for use, maintenance, and curriculum resources. This has an application process yearly, so be sure to keep an eye out for when the next application rolls out this spring. The next grant 
is a project called the Agricultural Literacy Project, where we create a one-hour presentation geared towards kindergarten through fifth grade classrooms that include an ag literate book that the class or school will get to keep, as well as some engaging and hands-on learning opportunities that help connect the concepts to the students directly. Our mission is to create opportunities for elementary students to learn more about where their food and textiles come from. The great part about this project is that we open it up for volunteer groups or individuals to be trained in presenting it so we can reach a larger audience. Groups such as FFA chapters and 4-H clubs can also have a chance to share their passion as well as having this as a great recruitment spotlight for their program. This is an opportunity for our youth to gain community involvement experiences as well as work on their public speaking skills. For all other information, be sure to visit our e-newsletter and social media pages to stay in the know. Thanks, Brittany. New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau members are being well represented at the Roundhouse as we keep an eye on proposed legislation. The legislature went into session this last Tuesday, and one of the bills we're tracking is the New Mexico Reforestation Act, pre-filed by Senator Pat Woods. If passed, it would appropriate $4.6 million to fund forest restoration. This would help create the New Mexico Reforestation Center, a joint project of the New Mexico Energy, Minerals, and Natural Resources Department, New Mexico State University, the University of New Mexico, and New Mexico Highlands University. Recent fires have caused a surging demand for seedlings, and current tree nursery capacity can only produce 300,000 seedlings a year. The center is expected to produce 5 million seedlings a year. New Mexico State University will head up nurseries and seedling research. New Mexico Highlands will develop educational and workforce training measures, while the University of New Mexico will create predictive models intended to ensure that the planted seedlings will survive warmer and drier conditions. If you're planning to visit the Roundhouse this year, New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau's Director of Government Affairs, Tiffany Rivera, has a couple of reminders. Good afternoon, everyone. Before you all start to make your way up to Santa Fe for the legislative session, we wanted to provide you a few pieces of information to be aware of. Um, just remember that this year, when going to the Capitol, you are going to have to present your paper vaccination card. Vaccines are a requirement in order to get into the Capitol, so make sure you have that paper card with you. Um, you will also need to go through metal detectors and be subject to a bag search. Uh, the legislature prohibited uh, the carrying of firearms into the Capitol, so don't bring those with you. Um, also to note, there will be no access to the first floor where the legislative leadership offices are, as well as both chambers, unless you have an appointment. Um, additionally, there will be no tours or events held at the Capitol this year. Um, and some other tentative things that we are hearing is that um, no one will be allowed to remain in the committee rooms. Once you testify, um, they'll ask you to leave and you'll have to watch the remainder of the hearing online. Um, we are also hearing that the legislature may be granted the ability to close off their offices to the public in order to protect themselves and their staff from increased exposure. Um, we plan to find out more on Monday when the Legislative Council Service is going to meet. They're the ones who established the rules and the procedures for how the legislative session will operate. So 
Once we get some more details from that hearing, we'll be sure to pass them along so that you all are updated. Uh, but until then, just keep your eyes and your ears open and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tiffany. Here for this week's On the Ground Report is Dave Lowry. This Doniana County Farm and Livestock Bureau member manages 100 acres of pecans in the Massey Valley and does custom harvest for another 500 acres. Dave, how does the pecan harvest look this year? I think it is better than what people anticipated, and I think that they were really hoping for a, a better crop or a good crop until we had that wind in October that knocked a lot of uh, nuts that were mature but not finished yet. On about 100 acres I picked up so far, estimated production and average so far, that looks like that wind probably took care of about 10 to 15 percent of non-saleable production. And you guys got a late start on the harvest this year, didn't you? Oh, yes, ma'am. I did. I just heard the other day it's the warmest December on record, and that's obvious. I've been doing this for about 45 years, and I've never, ever started this late. So is it going to be a good market this year for pecans? Yes, ma'am. The uh, the last market I was quoted about two weeks ago, and it's uh, it's higher than the previous two years, so that's a real positive. Thank you, Dave, for taking the time to speak with us. Of course, a constant concern of any producer in New Mexico is the lack of water, and for this coming year, we can expect it to be hotter and drier, says the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They recently released the monthly ENSO report. ENSO stands for El Nino Southern Oscillation Report, and it's important for our state's food producers since it gives us the likelihood of an El Nino or La Nina weather pattern. Why El Nino? This was the name that Peruvian fishermen gave to a warm current that seemed to arrive near their shores every year right after Christmas. The name evolved and is now associated with the warming phase of the Pacific Ocean, where a four-degree change ushers in variant wind and rainfall patterns. El Nino tends to bring warmer weather and greater precipitation to the southwest, while La Nina guarantees a continued drought. Unfortunately, NOAA is detecting below-average sea surface temperatures across the Pacific Ocean, consistent with La Nina. They estimate that this weather pattern has a 67% chance of dominance from March through May before the ENSO returns neutral. This lack of rainfall has devastating implications for our state's farm, ranch, and dairy families as they continue to struggle through drought conditions. One solution funded by the legislature last year was the voluntary fallowing of farmland. The Interstate Stream Commission, which oversaw the program, reported that they awarded 24 grants to pay farmers to cease pumping groundwater. Speaking at the 28th Annual Meeting of the New Mexico Water Dialogue held last week, Aaron Bollock, Superintendent for the Pecos Valley Artesian Conservation District, stresses that following must be on a voluntary basis. There are more people than I think most people recognize or realize that are dependent upon that land and the, the water for their livelihood. And so when we start talking about, well, what, what can we do to get you to follow land? You're asking me to take a cut and pay. And so that's where we need to come up with something. And that's back to the, the concept with the, the water banking, where there's affordable water available, but we're not cutting into their primary income stream when we need to make reductions. Another group that depends on irrigation water is backyard gardeners. If you need help with planning, planting, and harvesting your vegetable garden, New Mexico State University's Cooperative Extension Service has a program for you. ICANN, which stands for Ideas for Cooking and Nutrition, aspires to help New Mexico's families make healthy food and lifestyle choices by creating health-friendly communities. 
One of the ways they do that is through gardening classes, and they have three upcoming series. All are virtual, are offered in the mornings from 10 to 11.30, and consist of six sessions. The free classes will be held on Fridays from February 4th through March 11th, Tuesdays from March 1st to April 5th, or Wednesdays from April 20th to May 25th. In all of them, you'll learn about soil preparation, planting, garden care, and harvesting and storage of your vegetables. Each series is limited to 30 participants, and you can find more information online at NMSU-ICANN. On this week's market report, there's some cautionary notes mixed with good news about the farm economy in the Federal Reserve District that covers Texas, northern Louisiana, and southern New Mexico. In the Dallas Fed's last survey, ag bankers say that despite record corn and cotton crops, continued high input prices are likely to cut net profits substantially in 2022. Demand for agricultural loans in 2021's fourth quarter increased for the first time since the third quarter of 2015, and the loan repayment rate continued to increase. Loan volume decreased for feed or cattle loans, dairy loans, and crop storage loans compared with a year ago, says the Dallas Fed. Values for both irrigated and dryland acreage, as well as ranch land, rose in the fourth quarter, according to the survey. And now we finish up with a word from the next generation. Hey y'all, I'm Emily Gossett, and I'm from Silver City, New Mexico, and I've had the privilege this year of serving as a New Mexico FFA State Secretary. Within this position, I've got to do a lot of outreach, I'll visit a lot of members, but also see the betterment of agriculture, and one of the cool things that we have that really encompasses all of these things that's coming up is our New Mexico Leadership Conference. It's going to take place in Albuquerque in the coming weeks, and it is all about leadership and leadership in agriculture, and really just learning about the different aspects of the agricultural industry. Middle and high school members alike are going to be able to go through workshops and, and compete for a bunch of different state titles and a lot of different contests and so it's going to be a really great week full of fun learning about agriculture and leadership and we are so excited that this is getting to happen this year. Thanks Emily. This has been Delaine Hodnett with the New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau's Ag This Week.